Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day lads, welcome back to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching. I'm your host, this week's host, Don Pilp on the mic, not too hard, not too soft, but just right. We're coming to you free of charge just about every single week on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get podcasts from. Best way for you to support is to rate, review, subscribe, the holy tri-colon, or even more importantly, I'm told what really helps out is giving us a shout on your social media. Maybe you found us on Twitter. It's at WSBFUN over there on Twitter, Bear Followers Fan. Maybe you got us on Instagram or even threads these days, I'm pretty sure. It's at Wrestling Should Be Fun, one word there. And of course, if you are under 13, TikTok as well, at Wrestling Should Be Fun, all one word. Maybe instead of all the socials, maybe you're a bit old fashioned. Maybe you'd like to ring your mum or write a letter to your nan or maybe act this out as a play for your local community, with your friends and family. All of those are great options, I'm told, and they really help the old algorithm. Episode 99, Don Bradman. Uh, I can't believe we've made it. And we have a very, very special guest for our 99th episode. I make this joke every week. It's Ross the Boss Casey. Hey, man. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. I just following the script, you know, I do that bit where I like pretend that I'm going to introduce someone who hasn't been on the show before and then I say Ross. Um, but we, really, we really do have a very special guest. We, genuinely, dear listener, if I could uh, use another overused joke, if I could pull away the fourth curtain, if I could just give you a peek under the hood. We've been trying to get a wrestling should be fun original on the pod, 99 episodes. We finally got him. We thought it would be a great episode to have... 90s Mike Knight. It's the DJ extraordinaire. It is the champ police on episode 99. This is 90s Mike Knight. Hey guys, what's up, losers? (laughs) (laughs) Finally got me on. Finally got me on. How is everyone? Mate, I am so well. I'm much better for hearing your voice, mate. I, uh, I can't believe you finally cracked. I mean, I've been promising you guys for so long. I guess it was about time I caved. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's, mate, it's so good. It's so good to have your company. What do you got for us, Ross? You got a call-up sheet this week? We certainly do. So, Phil, play that jingle. Okay, so as per usual, we'll try not to take up everyone's time too much with the call-up sheet. But we will get round to saying everyone who has asked for one. So let's just start off with a few people who've asked for one. And that includes Britrest is alive, which is absolutely true, as RevPro and Progress have been proving recently. Less said about 1PW, the better. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we've got Gabriel Diapor. Thanks so much for your shout out in the call up sheet hope that you're having a great time and thanks for following us on twitter alan theus i think you've had your shout out previously so once again shout out to alan theus robert cosman definitely had his shout out previously goes by bobby's world 74 irish wrestling and entertainment the boys 
including Jerry, we've had on the podcast previously. Big up those boys. They're absolutely buzzing for the Irish scene at the moment. I saw that they were plugging a big uh, Irish show happening soon. Uh, so let's start with the real deal, guys. First up, we've got beers and brisket. Legally, not a pyramid scheme. Here to drink beer and be entertained. Unverified before it was cool. Beers and brisket. All I can think of is, uh, it reminds me of, do you remember when Jesse and Festus yeah. were dating? Do you remember that biscuits and gravy? Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking a bit of that. Bit of a bit of the old uh, country manly men. Uh, they, You know, brisket and beer. Briskets and lager, maybe. And they, um, these lads, they just, they probably, like, the gimmick sells itself, doesn't it? Those manly men eating meat, drinking beer, probably being misogynistic or some shit. What's a good, like, redneck first name? Uh, Cletus. <laughs> I wonder where that came from. Cletus Brisket. Great Cletus. name. <laughs> I think Cletus Brisket isn't too bad. I think, um... <laughs> Alternatively, they could just be kind of itching to get beer money ink back. You yeah, know, nice. But you know, pitch for their spot in there. Like it. Next up, we've got Nick, who goes by Nick That Guy Four One One. This guy knows you should only use one tweet. So surely he just uses one move. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the one move of doom. Only got one move. Lariat, 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 lariat. Yeah, it's oh. called Nick. So who's a famous Nick in wrestling? I can't, I can't help myself. But when I just, anytime I hear the reference four one one, the internet has ruined me. Like I just, I think about Mo's like aggressive dancing. He's like, this is the four one one on what to do if some homeboy is dissing your fly girl, and he starts. Like, <laughs> He starts breakdancing and just pulls out a shotgun. <laughs> Nick is that guy, given that the homeboys the 4 one Alternatively, he just nicks one move per match. Oh, like that. Winner. He's got the um, the old steel accessory on SmackDown. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And obviously each match is different. Yeah, perfect. Love it. Next up, we've got J Money Jeff, Jeff Rudolph 27. Go follow my social media. Link is down below from Detroit. J Money sounds like he's already got his own gimmick, so we've got to go with Rudolph, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you might be thinking, dear listener, where's he going to go with this? Red Nose Reindeer? No, not at all. I'm thinking Jack Rudolph, South African little known number four batter from the 1990s. Uh, I think maybe J, J, J Money, Jack Rudolph, he's. Uh, He's a stylish right-hander, uh, a real swordsman in more ways than one, if you know what I mean. Yet another plug for WSBC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the longest that it took for some time for cricket to be mentioned on this podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, man, it's episode 99, get used to it. <laughs> Next up, we've got Wrinkly Bean 287 Please don't take me too seriously. Oh, my God. <laughs> Rickly Bean. <laughs> what if, like, I was just, I just got an image in my mind of if Mr. Bean stayed in the bar for too long. <laughs> Rickly Bean, there's oh, there's a lot of innuendo opportunities there as well. Ross, can I mean, you just remind us of the bio again so I can get away from the... It literally just says, please don't take me too seriously. So, obviously, you do, but he's like 
an old man and he's just a really serious old man. <laughs> Maybe he's the anti-Lance Storm. So instead of uh, wanting people to take him seriously, he wants people to laugh at him. So what would the anti-Lance Storm be? like? Um, if I could be humorous for one second. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's manager is Hugh Morris. He's the, <laughs> the, the anti-Lance Storm. He is um, Sword Sunshine. Yes. He's like, um, what's the guy from Taken? The actor called? Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. He's like Liam Neeson in um, that show where he goes to Ricky and Stephen Merchants and he wants to be a comedian and all of his jokes are, are about AIDS. Extras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Next up, Rob Reed from The Raw Take. Host of The Raw Take, pro wrestling fan and a reviewer. That is such a, a Marvel or DC name. Rob Reed. You know, <laughs> alliterative name. And then he's got to have a superhero gimmick. What was the rest of his bio? Uh, he's from The Raw Take. So he's the host of The Raw Take, pro wrestling fan, and he's a reviewer. Yeah, Raw Rod Reed, I think. Rob <laughs> Reed. I mean, the, the triple barrel iteration. Or alternatively, Reed could be a verb. Maybe Raw Rob reads. Maybe he's a librarian. Just loves to read books, likes to school you. Old school, with knowledge. Like Bob Backlund, he'd make, he'd make you recite all the presidents before he'd give you an autograph. Education <laughs> is important, kids. Or he's a, he's a really small guy that doesn't like Triple H, and he's just RRR, Triple R, and he just basically goes after him in a feud. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Who's the best? Triple? I don't know. <laughs> Triple H, I reckon. <laughs> well, you know, until it happens, we will never know. And of course, I quite like the idea of Rob Reed Raw being constantly um, drafted onto SmackDown, but he's like always in Raw, like merch. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just we only see him once a year, and he's just gutted every time. <laughs> yeah. Never wrestled. It's, it's a just, whole bit just in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to Survivor Series, he's cheering on Raw. <laughs> <laughs> Just out the back, SmackDown locker <laughs> And our 12th pick is... <laughs> and last but not least, we've got ourselves Sato Man, 1222, and... He is Japanese, so I've had to translate this via Google. So this could be entirely gibberish because obviously translations can be strange on the internet. But he says, I'm hoping that this is nothing terrible. <laughs> Kansai people are not funny. I will follow you silently. I live my life. I dream of eating, drinking, sleeping and fucking. It's neither the dove, the hawk, the eagle, nor the me. It's our school. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think uh, Sato Man, is that, was that right, Sato Man? Yeah. Sato Man sounds like an aspiring poet to me, like in the, the vein of the genius. You know, uh, I can see him regaling us with a lovely sonnet just like that, or maybe a haiku even before every match. I, I have to say, he's got, he's got a few things in common with me. Dreams of eating, drinking, sleeping, and fucking. What a geek. <laughs> The big three. Oh, mate, this guy, this, this guy is nothing but a baby face. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> that took me away. When you first said his name, I was like, one, two, one, two, two, one, two. I was like, oh, he's 
he's like oh, one, yeah. of those, um, one of those sound engineers and he's like testing testing one two one two <laughs> so he's like a bad justin roberts he's just like is this thing on testing one two one two yeah, warm-up act. One hundred. We have to combine the two things. He's a warm-up act that reads his poetry to the audience before <laughs> Raw Rob Reed comes out to open SmackDown. We, and he comes out to old school Triple H, my time. One, two, two, two. Is this on? <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody know who's dreaming of eating, sleeping, drinking and fucking <laughs> with who? <laughs> Very good. Thank that you. is a great end to... This week's call-up sheet, Sato Man. We hope that that made sense in English for you. And we hope that Kansai people are not funny is not a terrible thing to say. <laughs> Let's uh, talk a bit of wrestling, lads. Uh, what the nerds are watching. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Okay, I've got a few highlights from this week, fellas, that I thought maybe we might want to touch on. The weekend wrestling, rather than just, you know, going through the each show, maybe a few highlights of a very, very busy week in wrestling since we last spoke. I mean, everyone's coming off the Money in the Bank hangover, but I managed to catch a little bit of wrestling this week, and I think that between the three of us, maybe our the, the, the shows and the wrestling that we've seen might overlap in a nice little Venn diagram. So, um... I wanted to start off probably the first thing of the week was NXT, right? Down south slanging, rolling with you hustlers, trying to get rid of all you haters and you bust. Down south slanging, rolling with these hustlers. I'm told that our boy Tyler Bate uh, from the Electric Ballroom had a decent outing against Mustafa Ali. Ross, uh, thoughts on uh, seeing our lad Tyler Bate seemingly getting a bit of a head of steam on NXT? Yeah, it's been a long time coming, but. Finally, he's had kind of almost two, three months now where he's on the show consistently, which is fantastic to see. And he's been put in with guys who can go, which is fantastic. And this week he was in there with Mustafa Ali. And for anyone who followed Dom's 205 Live blog, he knows how good Mustafa Ali is in the ring. So, yeah, he more than matched him. And it was a fantastic match. It had that slight niggle to it because the storyline had been kind of Mustafa Ali has been a bit of a prick recently. and. Ali was like, oh, no, man, I'm still cool. I was just testing you. And then, lo and behold, by the end, Ali is the prick and Bate trusted him too much. And he got spiked onto the ropes and then got hit with the finisher. And Ali did that kind of smirk. So we're getting heel Ali, but not Ali where he was heel in retribution and having to wrestle a heel style. So you're taking away his impressive arsenal. You get the best of both worlds on NXT with him now. So... I was big into the match. Not just a good in-ring match, but also a good storyline. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, same, same. I feel, I, was, I think it was like 13 minutes, I think it was. But what they packed into that that 13 minutes in terms of both the action and like the facials and the, like, the storytelling was a great bit of business, I think. Yeah, absolutely outstanding stuff. I'm interested, Ross, you, you mentioned that uh, Ali might try to keep the same arsenal. Like, I, I know that's come under a little bit of criticism from some members of our group before. Like, do you think that Ali is still going to manage the elusive flip-flop and fly match as a heel? Of course, you know, have to have a front flip, a Fosbury flop, and a Spanish <laughs> fly all in the same match. Yeah, I think NXT is the place to do that in WWE. Um, you've had people like JD McDonough keep his moveset from the indies where he was a flip-flopper and still a really good heel. And it works. And I think in NXT, where you're given time to wrestle, 
you don't just have to put on the headlock and be the heel like Randy Orton, because Randy Orton is the only one in the world that's good at that, in my opinion. And yeah, I think that he's doing a great job of it. And I'm really excited with the freelance stuff itself. There was a really good promo on this actually where baron corbin threw all of his old gimmicks into like a big firewood so he threw the lone wolf t-shirt he threw the crown he threw the uh, trilby hat and he's basically saying that he's chris candido now no gimmicks needed and he's on nxt full time i think which is really cool back in black just sorry just to go back to what you're saying about keeping the heel moveset do you think that maybe is because of who's in charge of nxt because when A was a heel, he kept everything, right? Yeah, he did, yeah. So maybe... He was a little bit more chicken shit with it, wasn't he? Which is yeah. what Ali's doing. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Ali has said how much of a, a hero HBK is to him, so... Great yeah. point, man, yeah. yeah. Perhaps just like a little homage. That's far too insightful for this podcast. <laughs> if you want to be a part of that, Dumb it down, dumb it down, Mike, dumb it down. Yeah. <laughs> cut, cut, cut that shit out. Just quickly make it uh, flick it over wrinkly bean or something. Um, <laughs> just just another couple of things on NXT as well. The first match was uh, Roxanne Perez against Blair Davenport. And I think it was like four minutes and Blair Davenport beat her. And I was like, wasn't Roxanne Perez NXT Women's Champ like three weeks ago? But I think that they're telling a bigger story with Roxanne Perez, aren't they? I think yeah. that they're doing the kind of, you know, she had... Too much, too soon, and the oh. spark's gone, and now she's got to figure out a new way to win. Okay. And that's going to make her character a bit more than just smiley, babyface wins, which, which I'm all for. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's better than let's push Blair Davenport to the moon uh, straight away. And and my final point on NXT, Booker T, what on earth? <laughs> I think he might be the worst commentator, full stop. Did you see uh, recently that he was uh, <laughs> snapped from someone behind oh. him at NXT during the show where he was ordering a DoorDash? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was actually mentioned on the following week by Vic Joseph, so we called him out for it. <laughs> it's just what he says about anyone could be about anyone. Yeah, like, it's pretty clear. When you've had previous kind of colour commentary from McGuinness, from Wade Barrett, of people that genuinely seem to care about the product and then you've gone from that to Booker T who he definitely holds the excitement because his voice levels are there but you can tell that he doesn't really care about that product yeah. and it shows yeah all right let's, let's keep keep rolling during the week A show that I actually did see, Wednesday Dynamite. I only wanted to pick out really one major thing, and that's just to get your fellas' thoughts on um, Adam Cole and MJF. I am in the camp of I've really enjoyed it so far. Like, I know that Shafi made a good point. I think that there's probably quite a bit of time still to fill in before we actually get the pay-per-view main event between these two. So what better way to fill potentially two months of TV than with this kind of goofy friendship uh, storyline. For me, though, I've kind of looked into it just myself like a little bit deeper and I just kind of I, I enjoy adding any – well, I've enjoyed it every time that MJF has had the opportunity to add like a little bit of maybe shadow to the artwork, I suppose you'd say, maybe like uh, to make his character a little bit more three-dimensional because I get it, like there's this – uh, sure, like he's just this evil dude, but why? Why is he bad? Why is he evil? He's got more money than me. Yeah, that's one reason. 
But I quite like these wrinkles in the story. Every time I've been most invested in MJF is when he's been made to seem humanised and then he turns around and says, yeah, you just saw some weakness. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kick you in the balls. I'm going to stomp your eyeball out, you know, like he did with Punk. He's like, I showed you vulnerability and I cannot show that. And because I've shown vulnerability, because you brought that out of me, now I'm going to kill you. And I just think it's my favourite MJF. He shows vulnerability. He shows human qualities. And you're like, all of a sudden, you just start to think, oh, here's the baby face. Here, here it comes. The baby face turn. He's funny. And he's actually quite nice. And what's going to happen if Adam Cole actually breaks his heart? I'll tell you what's going to happen. Adam Cole is going to break his heart. And then MJF is going to beat the shit out of Adam Cole and do the healest, most healy shit you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> He's going to abduct Britt Baker or something, like the Undertaker into Stephanie in 1999, you know? So that's kind of where I sit on where we are with that. I don't know. Am I looking into it too much, do you think, Mike? Like, have, have you managed to see any? I know you haven't seen too much of AWTV, but have you seen too much of the Cole and MJF friendship and the buddy comedy stuff they're doing on, on the episodes? Yeah, I think to go back to your point about when MJF shows vulnerability, obviously the two most prominent ones were when he was kind of outed to be a fan of punk and and that he felt like he let him down. And then he put all his trust in Regal and, and Regal just sort of ditched him. And those are two of the things that have poisoned him and turned him into a heel. You're right. That's absolutely spot on, I feel. And yeah, and then he just kind of shows that he... There's nothing that he can do except be a bastard and cheat and, <laughs> and you know, and, and stuff. JCH and I, I saw him at Mania Weekend uh, 35 and he didn't wrestle once, but each show we saw him at, he just basically did like a different flavour promo. One was a dodgeball match where he didn't get picked, so he took his ball and he went home, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and one he was just basically calling the fans dicks, you know, so he's got those kind of levels, you know, I, you know, I think he's... Obviously, really hot take, but he's he's pretty good at that sort of thing. But I didn't know how I felt about the blind tag teams. Because, I because you know, when WWE does that, it's like, oh, you know, they're just throwing two wrestlers together. And AEW actually just are doing that. And it's, you know, it's it's quite funny to sort of see the how that breaks down. But I saw they were supposed to be against Cage and Big Bill uh, on a collision, right? Uh, I think that's due for Wednesday night, I think. Okay, so Adam Jeff tweeted that he wasn't well and that he wouldn't be able to perform on Wednesday. And Adam Cole, you know, it was just like, you'll be fine, we've got this. You know, so, you know, yeah, you know, I think they are like sort of really leaning into it. You know, it's, um, it's fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I really, even just hearing you speak, the it's almost like a formulating idea in my mind. I haven't thought about it too much before we started recording, but like, I really think now that like for the future progression of MJF's character, it's got to be Cole that some, like, or even if it's not, but in MJF's mind, Cole has to be the one that turns his back at MJF. Not yeah. Like, yeah. Like it can't just be MJF just low blows him out of nowhere and attack in the final of the tag tournament. Yeah. For me, exactly. unless Cole does something in the match before it, like he won't tag him in. Or yeah. you know, like, is, is that there has to be some wrinkle where Cole like doesn't trust MJF, or he chooses Roderick Strong over MJF? There has to be another wrinkle to it for sure. It can't be as simple as he just turns on him. Yeah, because there's always a reason. 
that yeah, that that there must be a reason. Well, Mick Foley says, doesn't he, that like the key to being a good bad guy is you have to believe everything you do is right. Yeah. And if it's if you don't have that for whatever reason, it you won't work as a bad guy. Ross, I'll give you, did you have anything you wanted to add about MJF and Adam Cole before we talk a bit about your man Roman Reigns? Uh, my only bit to add to what you guys have all said eloquently already, I really like the fact that MGF is leaning into the fact that Adam Cole is a heel. He's already said that he respects him in the ring and he actually likes him more than most of the people in the roster. And I think it's because Adam Cole has primarily been a heel his whole career since babyface Adam Cole in ROH pre-Bullet Club, right? And Adam Cole has been the reason behind some of the most heinous backstabs in wrestling recent history. And someone like MGF, who's a dickhead, will probably have a lot of respect for that. So even in ring, like when he was trying to get him to hold his hand whilst he was in the submission, he knows that Adam Cole would do that. And he's trying to bring out the hill in Adam whilst at the same time creating really good comedy gold and making everyone like it, which is the kind of the devil idea, right? So it kind of works in two ways. So I I absolutely love it. And I want more of it. And I want the storyline to progress in a way where you kind of pull for MGF and Adam as the mates over Roderick Strong and Adam Cole, which makes zero sense because Cole and Strong have been buddies for years. But you kind of want to will this friendship to be a thing because they're so entertaining. And you want Roderick Strong to kind of be the bitter ex-lover, which I'm really enjoying personally. I absolutely love that idea, Ross, about the idea of the sort of extended metaphor of MJF being the devil. And then the devil doesn't hurt you himself. The devil leads you astray and corrupts your soul. So you end up in hell. You know, it's much better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven. And, you know, the greatest trick the devil ever played and all that uh, overused stuff from the past. So, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. It's funny, isn't it, lads? Like, I do wonder whether, like, how much of this stuff Tony Khan or whoever is helping out, if it's MJF and Adam Cole themselves, how much of this stuff they're trying to put in and how much we're just adding ourselves. But um, <laughs> all of a sudden, this feels like the richest tapestry of a story ever written, doesn't it? <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe MJF just low blows him for no reason in the final. Who knows? <laughs> So uh, moving on, different company up north in Stanford, Roman Reigns Tribal Council. I read somewhere on SmackDown, you know, so it was well over a quarter of the show. It was, you know, it was well over a quarter of the show. I think it was close to a third of the show might have been this bloodline storyline. And dare I say that I don't mind it? Uh, I think it, it's, you know, it's obviously been the best thing on WWE TV for a long time. Uh, Ross, where are you at now with the storyline? I know you've been a big fan of it, but finally we see Jey Uso, who has been your man all along for the last three or, f- what, f- three years, three and a half years now. Uh, main event Jey Uso looks like he might get another shot finally, which you've been begging for and I've been telling you off for. Are you just, <laughs> abs- are you just frothing? Absolutely, mate, yeah. When we had the shot of, Jay Uso with that title in his hand, I was goose pumping all over the place. So yeah, this was a further proof that the bloodline segments do overrun and they do last long. And I saw lots of people responding to my tweets on Twitter saying, I'm so bored of this. It's the most drawn out thing ever. And I'm just like, well, you just don't like good things then. <laughs> don't know what to tell you. But I just love so, so how... to drop, Ross, but like, listen to the reactions that they're getting every yeah. week. Yeah. 
it's just mind-boggling to think that anyone is not enjoying this. Yeah, and look at the numbers as well in terms of, like, SmackDown is easily the most watched show in wrestling, right? Yeah. So, yeah, the Bloodline segments leave you with more questions than answers each time, and I absolutely love that. So you had Roman feigning that he was going to kind of crown Jay, he threw the title off, he put the wreath over him, he went down on his knees, and then only to low blow him. But I noted even previous to that that there was a nice little nuance there where he was wearing the wreath, and he doesn't normally wear the wreath too often for those segments. But it's quite an important point, I think, that he was wearing it after being pinned by Jay because it was almost like it's telling the audience, yeah, I lost, but I'm still the fucking tribal chief. And that kind of like narcissistic thing to do, which is perfect for his character. Then the low blow was great. And then after the low blow, of course, the reef falls off and onto the floor and you get that shot of Solo looking down onto it. So as I said, there's more questions than answers. Where Solo's head at? We know where the Uso's head is at, but now we've got the added question of Solo. So yeah, I just absolutely love it. And the fact that we're finally coming down to Jay versus Roman at SummerSlam, which is, of course, where Roman did his heel turn three years ago on The Fiend. It's perfect circle to storytelling. And I think if they're going to do it, I've said this a thousand times, but if they're going to do it, it would be great if they do it there. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thoughts whilst you're sort of talking us through that, Ross. Firstly, like, I can't believe how popular Solo seems to have become. It just is one of the all-time great rubs from his cousin and his brothers. Like, yeah. for him to even be considered as, like, looking at the wreath. It almost reminds me, yeah, okay, bingo, everyone at home. He talks about RVD again. Okay, yeah, you got it. But, like, <laughs> it, I feel a little bit of, like, when RVD first came in in 2001 and, like, after the invasion storyline, and he was, like, the only success from that side of the invasion, really. Even, like, Booker T only became a big star in WWE afterwards. And then, like, they put him straight in that triple threat with Austin and Angle. And, like, yeah. there was a huge crowd swell just because he was there with those two. Like, it was at No Mercy 2001. And uh, I just, like, when Solo looked at that wreath, I was like, why are so many people cheering this? It's just blown my mind. The other major thing that I caught on to over the last uh, week, going to Money in the Bank Live, is the Usos theme music is only about 22 seconds long. <laughs> yeah, looped. It's just two lines on a loop. Why don't they have a second verse? Now I hear it on SmackDown and I notice it and it annoys me. <laughs> maybe, In the latest maybe, segment of Dom Hates Theme Tunes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Old Australian yells theme music. The WWE, though, has really become a sing-along territory. People really fucking love singing theme songs now. I guess we always did. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. But I am just an old man. I'm just getting grumpy. I don't remember who mentioned it first at Money in the Bank, but someone mentioned about Anuso or Bloodline member in each corner match. Yeah. Which, I mean, you know, that would be pretty fucking incredible, wouldn't it? Yeah. I was thinking about the four corner match, but I think it was maybe Ross that had the idea of like the WrestleMania 16, <laughs> WrestleMania 2000, I should say. A man in every corner. So we'll say, like, well, you could have like Rikishi with one of the Usos, right? Yeah. Or maybe with Solo, actually. Maybe we get, I did it for the Rock Rikishi yeah. in the leather suit. <laughs> Talking of that, Dom, part of that segment on Friday night, Roman said to the Usos, I did it for you. And I was like, man, the circle of life, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so we could have Rikishi with Solo, right? Which would mean we'd have to have the Rock somewhere. I guess Roman would have to have like Arthur and yeah. 
Seeker and Arthur would have to be with Roman. So then you'd have The Rock with one of the Uslos, but we'd need somebody else. Nia Jax. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, like, no, maybe Nia Jax. I just had like a really awful experience on my to tape podcast where I just, the first three people I thought of, unfortunately, I realized they all passed away. That was kind of a bit sad. Well, you know, there's holograms now. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we, <laughs> maybe we get a hologram of um, Yokozuna and Umanga. What about Haku? That'd be fun. Haku would be fun. Wrestling would be fun with Haku. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My thinking with the full way is Jimmy costs Jay and Solo can't bear it anymore. And he's like, screw you guys. I'm not siding with anyone. You're all mad. And then the bloodline explodes. Yeah. I'll tell you what would actually probably have to happen is Solo ends up with Heyman. Yeah. Yeah. And then Roman's got his dad and his uncle. And then Rikishi and The Rock end up with the Usos. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Heyman's just got to choose whichever one has the championship, as that's his thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Heyman's in a shark cage. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Paul Heyman's face when he thought Reigns was giving it all up. Was oh, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Behold. He was crying his eyes out. <laughs> I think his eyes were so red and he was just like, he, he definitely <laughs> cried properly. It's so good. Love it. Lads, there was some other good wrestling this week. We want to sort of get to a bit of a main event here, but let's just do like three seconds. You ready? You know what was good? Collision. Good. Collision was great, wasn't it? Yeah. I'll have to let you guys talk about that one. I've not watched that yet. Nah, we're done. Punk first Joe, good. Tag match, good. That'll do. One little thing from that show. Julia Hart has started to do the Scarlet thing where she like mimes the song. Yep. And the fans haven't quite latched on to the part that she doesn't sing the last part. And the idea is everyone's got to like have a sing along. So people have to figure out, sing that last bit and it's going to be a really cool entrance. Yeah, I'd noticed that. But to be honest, I hadn't quite noticed that she doesn't sing the last bit. I'm, I'm sure it'll catch on. Give it time. Oh, mate, just what we're talking about singing. I'm going to do a whole hour one week on the Aussie <laughs> chick. She is so good. All the internet seems to hate her that I see. Her real name is Danielle. What's her name? Harley something. Who are you talking about? QTV, you know? the Aussie. Oh, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, get it. Yeah. Mate, she is unreal. The rap, the singing, she is so good. We need her and MJF to have a duet one day. It's going to be unreal. <laughs> oh, I think that's a storyline. I think she should go with MJF for a bit. She's got it in her. She's great. Her real life partner is Daniel Vito, who is a former New Zealand international rugby league player, who I used to watch play a lot in Australia. His name on NXT is something like Zion Quinn. Would that be right, Ross? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, that's her husband, I think, or fiancé or something like that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, just a shout-out from, you know, the Aussies, Daniel Vita. <laughs> anyway, she's great. Should we do the roundtable? Yeah. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our main event of the evening, this week's roundtable. It's the 99th episode of the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. This is the Wrestling Should Be Fun Roundtable. Have you ever, ever felt like this? How strange things happen. Are you going round the twist? Have you ever, ever felt like this? I've got to tell you, lads, I was at sports day all day today, and I literally have never shouted so much in one day in my life. I'm a bit hoarse. 
Okay, so the idea of the roundtable this week, uh, dear listener, is 99th episode. Now, next week, not to, you know, do any spoilers here, but we have a very special guest next week as well. So we're not going to be doing a regular roundtable and we're not going to have a chance to chat a little bit about the pod. So maybe, I don't know if this is self-indulgent claptrap, but we've got 90s Mike on. He's the number one fan of the podcast, as well as a pillar of wrestling should be fun. So we thought, hey, let's have a chat about some of our favourite moments from 99 episodes of this absolute rubbish that you are currently listening to. Hopefully on your commute or something like that. Or maybe you're acting it out in a play for your local community, as always is suggested. So, Mike, I want to talk to you quickly first, just before we get into some uh, WSBF pod memories. Yourself, mate. So I see you as one of the OGs of wrestling should be fun. Now, you were there before I was there, and I remember you being at the first show that I met Ross and yourself. I think maybe the Wes boys were there, but tell us from your own perspective, like, how do you think this wrestling should be fun thing came about? Was it Ross that you met first or somebody else? So I worked with the Wes brothers for a very long time at Virgin Megastores. Shout out to Virgin Megastores. And basically, I always liked wrestling. And then I kind of fell out of love with it. As I got older, I didn't have Sky, etc. And then I think it was Lee Wes was working on the wrestling DVD section. So I went over and I was like, oh, are you looking at the wrestling stuff? And he went, yeah, I love it. And I was like, what? And we kind of started talking about wrestling. And after that, we had a few WrestleMania parties at mine. And then one weekend, they said their mate had a spare ticket for a London promotion in Camden. And that was progress i think it was chapter 22 and that was the first time that i met ross the boss the main event for that was i think osprey's second defense of the progress title against paul robinson and mark andrews came out for the save that was the first show that i ever watched at progress and i think i've missed five london shows in all the time since then so that's kind of where that started off and then obviously at different shows, more people have sort of latched on and we've met people and they've joined and come and gone. Yeah, I think that was the start of my becoming part of the circle, I guess. I hope your memory for the podcast is as good as that of your first progress show. Uh, <laughs> do you Just one follow-up question. So you didn't know Ross before that. Did you? No. Did the Wes boys know Ross or did you meet by chance? Oh, yeah. I, can't, I, I don't know how they met, but um, oh, no, I do know. I think. We all have mutual friends, weirdly. Like, we all have friends who I know some people that Ross knows, but the Wes Brothers don't, and the Wes Brothers know people that Ross knows that I don't, and that sort yeah. of thing. So there's a, there's a real cross-section. cross, cross section. Uh, We discovered that Ross's wife and all of her mates used to come to a club that I used to DJ at years before I'd ever met them, and we were all in the same room, the same club that John and Conman used to come to. So there's a possibility that myself... Matt, John, Hannah and Lucy were all in the same room together once but didn't even know it. Isn't that mad? Like, re- like our little wrestling community is a bit like that. And wrestling should be fun, really. It's just the Brit Rest community. I mean, I know yeah. there's 12 of us that do this podcast, you know, from time to time and post on the social medias and stuff. But really, like, we're trying to hopefully be a microcosm of the positives of the Brit Rest community. Hopefully. Someone's yeah. going to click that up and uh, go to town on that, probably. But anyway, that's just how <laughs> I feel. It seems to me that, like, the indie music community is similar and the DJ community and, and that kind of club night community is is very similar. Like, and, uh, you know, in, in maybe in another parallel universe, this could have been, the you know, the 
I don't know, the Britpop should be fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which is amazing. So the last one, Mike, before I just sort of pass over to Ross for a few like uh, wrestling should be fun podcast memories. But like yeah, earlier in your intro, I called you the Champ Police. Uh, do you remember how that started? Because like we all know you now as a Champ Police. It's your quotation marks gimmick, and you're that you're the person that either gives a new chant the passing grade or says that it's absolute dog shit. <laughs> You remember when it started? Because I I feel like I can't really remember when it started. It was BT Sports, Rob Armstrong and his mate Jake Tiffin. They were there in for a while at Progress. They came to quite a few chapters in the early stages. I think it was Rob, actually, who was just like, just started calling me the uh, chant police, purely because if ever there was a new chant started by the crowd, something a bit more daring than first name, first name, first name, fucking surname, yeah. I would give, you know, I would give it, I would either, well, I don't know how the thumbs started, to be honest with you, but, <laughs> but I would always say, oh, fuck's sake, that's awful, or, or, oh, that's pretty good. And then suddenly, I think it was Rob that was like, yeah, thumbs up, thumbs down. And so, yeah, that's, that kind of became the thing. Now, if, if someone on the other side starts a chant, everyone, <laughs> everyone turns to me and has a look. In fact, now, even when the Wrestling Should Be Fun group try to start their own chant, there's that nervous look at me afterwards. It's like, yeah. <laughs> will that do? God, God forbid you accidentally give someone a thumbs up during the show. Because that's giving. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there are many thumbs up, mate, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's, oh. uh, you know, we, we moan about it enough, but, you know, there needs to be a bit more originality. So, in fact, this is me calling out wrestling crowds. Just repeating the same first name, first name, first name, fucking surname, et cetera, et cetera. The same old chance. Try something new. Yeah. Uh, give me first name, first name, first name, fucking last name every day over We Want Tables. But, you know, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> yeah. um, hey, speaking of the pod, 99 of these fucking things, Ross. Uh, so all throughout that time, what did we add? We've had prediction episodes. We, we started with the predictions, right? And then that seemed to somehow turn into a competition that has, like, driven a wedge between friendships behind the scenes. Here <laughs> fun. I guess on the flip side of that, then towards the end of the year, also we've had a couple of those award shows, haven't we, where we've had people interact on Twitter and to uh, uh, vote for uh, winners in different categories. Like any standouts there of like in the how long have 99 episodes been? It's got it's got to be two years, right? Because we haven't quite done one every week. In the two and a bit years, like, well, do you have any major memories of the big award winners and the big winners in those two years? What really stands out? It's got to be Roman Reigns, right? Yeah. So. It was really interesting to me that the first year that we did it, AEW swept across the board. It was it was massively AEW influenced. And then the second year obviously came off the heels of Vince leaving WWE, supposedly Triple H taking the book and they really turned it around. And it was it was still AEW that came out with most of the awards, but it was a lot more neck and neck. So that was quite an interesting take on where the wrestling should be fun community is at in terms of their wrestling loves um, with the Award stuff as well. I love the fact that we've also got just kind of things like the Wrestling Should Be Fun Award. So for the wrestler who's provided the most fun throughout the year, Dan Housen, Orange Cassidy have been big winners there. But last year, of course, was Sami Zayn, someone that has gone from being that zany comedy character and he's really turned it around. So it's really fun kind of those shows I find are fun to kind of like listen back to and be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And also shout out to everyone that takes part in it because it's a really fun way of making the wrestling should be fun crowd be more than just the insular circle that it is. 
you almost said wrestling should be fun universe and I, I so nearly did <laughs> <laughs> before we even did those award shows do you remember when we did the wrestling should be fun world cup and dj santos won it yeah that was so cool Los Federados, uh, he was he was massively a part of that as well on his social media he was like commenting on every single round that he was going through and he was like guys this is getting ridiculous i beat like i've beat eddie <laughs> i've beat <laughs> yeah yeah i beat colt like this is crazy yeah stop stop voting for me but the more that he would say don't vote for me the more the, the will of the people was santos jr loved it didn't no fun done also like try and like tell everyone to stop voting for him yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There was a storyline at the top on the screen that Santos had been kicked out of the. Um, That's right. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> he was too, he was too fun. And he got kicked out of no fun place. So then we fucking ran with it. That, mate, that was one of the best things we've done. That was so good. Yeah. Great. I actually ended up on some like British wrestling blogs as well. Like, save Santos. Don't vote for him in the Wrestling Should Be Fun <laughs> Comedy World Cup. <laughs> I guess we can't really talk about the podcast and some of the highlights without thinking about some of the quizzes, Ross. I was I mean, just about to say that. Yeah. Well, Mike, well, as, as a listener, like, do you have any standout memories of the quizzes? Well, obviously, one name springs to mind as far as Shot Mastermind, but I'll let you go first. Can we not talk about him for one week? <laughs> it's, his head's already big enough. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just had a look, and the first time we did Shot Mastermind on the pod, we had eight heats. Two semifinals and a final. It went on for forever. And I <laughs> I wonder, I wonder how many people actually enjoy those ones. I love them because because you know you can sort of you can sort of play along and go, oh well, I would have beaten that person or I would have got that, or I don't know. I thought Dom knew a lot about ACW. But um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, that first one went on forever. Yeah, that was um proof that uh 2021 was <laughs> terrible for most people because it was a pandemic, but also great for getting people on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, it really, yeah, it really was. It also taught me, don't pick a topic that the guy that writes the questions also knows stuff about. <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously, like, TK Cooper came out as the winner um, of the second one of those, which, like, I just, like, have to give a shout-out to TK and Mambo, Sunshine Machine, both being big-time guests here on the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. Dare I say, sort of pseudo-mates of ours. I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah, but, yeah, like, you know, those guess acquaintances, I guess, or colleagues, and they've been fucking massive guests for us. I particularly absolutely loved uh, the Chuck Mambo episode where he told that story about Rampage, and he said, uh, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> Chuck Mambo, this is Rampage, you guess. So I'm not saying I'm afraid, but I've got a healthy respect for horses. <laughs> I think that is the best episode we've ever done. He was the best guest, definitely. It was fantastic. We've certainly had some good ones over the last couple oh, yeah. of years. Any standout uh, for you there, Ross? Um, so I think it will be due diligence to mention everyone that's been on the podcast. So I'm just going to quickly read off a list of everyone that's been on the podcast and a quick thank you to every single one of them as we reach episode 100 next week. Kyle from The Apron Bump, massive fan of his stuff. Dom and myself and James have uh, featured on his podcasts where we um, talk about progress and Ring of Honor. He was a fantastic guest on our show and he's welcome back at any point. 
if you're more into your video podcasts, if you like your YouTube and stuff like that, if you're more of a Paul Brothers fan, uh, Kyle's stuff, The Apron Bump is unreal. Um, really good. Show reviews, deep dive stuff. Um, and Ross and James and I have all been on with our various expertise, I guess you'd say, early days Ring of Honor and early days Progress Wrestling. Yeah, for sure. And another shout out for the Sultan. We didn't shout out to him too much during the Shopmaster Remind bit because fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> He, he just wins every year. He's like Man United in the 90s. <laughs> He's part of a group called Legion of Hasbro, who run exclusively on Facebook. And we did a bit of cross-promotion by having Phil on from the Legion of Hasbro. And he came on and provided his banter with the Sultan as well as his wrestling knowledge. So shout out to him. The first actual wrestler that we had on the show was Nick Riley, someone who was just about to make his progress debut. And... Quite an interesting um, listen back to that, actually, because not only is the book of bingo that he did amazing, where he did the uh, gimmick where he was smoking Askers, where it was him versus Asker, but you could tell the excitement in his voice about being able to perform at the ballroom, the hallowed ballroom, somewhere that he had never been previously. And obviously, moving forward to 2023, storyline-wise, that excitement has turned into resentment. And that's pretty cool to kind of be the podcast that captured that excitement. And if you follow the story, you can really see where, you know, his expectation of the ballroom didn't quite match the reality. And perhaps that is why he's done what he's done in the wrestling ring in progress. Next up, we had my cousin through marriage, David from Luton Lives. Brilliant guest and very knowledgeable man and someone that is hopefully going to All In. So we'll see him there. Then we've had Gene Money on twice, the only wrestler to be on twice, apart from TK Cooper, who was on for several Shopmaster rounds. He was fantastic when we did the um, run-through Progress Chapter preview with him. He did the Book of Bingo where he was up against Tank Abbott, and he (laughs) said that he'd wrestle Hank Tabbott first. (laughs) Amazing Book of Bingo with, with Gene Money. Really funny really open really great guest and he was fabulous when he also was uh, previewing his daft lad emporium show with dom in a one-on-one that was a fantastic pod so shout out to gene and we miss him and hopefully we'll see him back in progress soon we also had ecw's referee jim monono someone that came a bit left field um in terms of our guest list but someone that was a really interesting interview and For me personally, that was one of the only ones that I did by myself and getting to talk to someone that was there in the East Debbie locker room for an hour was a real thrill. And he was really giving as well and gave some amazing stories The probably the best story that he gave was how his wife was terrified when the Bruce brothers turned up (laughs) at his house and she was just terrified. Then, of course, we had Tate Mayfair's who at the time was a bit of an unknown in the British wrestling scene. He, he was only just kind of getting into the progress. And we were lucky enough to catch him at the time where he was on his way. And we got that really great interview with him where you kind of got a little peek behind the curtain. But when we mentioned that he was similar to Spike Trevay, wow, did he pull one hell of a promo. Probably the best promo ever on the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. And arguably the best promo in Brit Rest that year. Dom, thoughts on that one? Yeah, uh, well, you know, we uh, we love Tate, uh, we and we love to hate Tate. It's been amazing just watching his career like come along. In, in like you said, in the last two years since we've been doing this, like 
I think that I was the first person to mention Tate on a podcast. He might have been in one of my original predictions in the first episode. It was, yeah. And I think, so maybe like uh, I'm happy to look back and say, well, you know, it might not have been quite that year, but I said it was something quite generic about like, you know, keep an eye out for Tate Mayfair's to be booked in progress this year. And it might have taken a year and a half, but um, look at him now. I think he's right on the verge of, um, well, it wouldn't surprise me if he uh, eventually got an opportunity at a world title and wouldn't surprise me if he won it. And I just, you know, and honestly, I, I had such a great thrill. Like, I, I don't know Tate personally, really, but a little bit just from talking at shows or whatever. But just to see him on SmackDown the other day, well, I know he wasn't in the ring. He was just a security guard on the outside. But to see him on SmackDown, I was just like, holy fuck. I just, yeah, uh, yeah. it really, it, it sort of, um, it was a special thing for me. And I'm, I'm just a guy that watches him every month at Progress. So just, a, yeah, it was a hell of a, treat to have him on the rest of should be fun podcast and quite early doors and that the promo was you know chef's kiss yeah so 90s you're obviously a big fan of the podcast previous was it kind of cool to see the podcast go from just gym lads and it was a bit like listening to your mates going to the pub when you couldn't go to the pub because of the, the pandemic to listening to us chatting to real wrestlers with real lives <laughs> yeah i mean from the beginning the the first long form episodes that Don was doing with individuals from within uh, the group to then like, you know, the people that we watch every month in the ring and getting those little peaks behind the curtain, like the demo one was, he was so generous. And he, I wonder if, you know, there was a, a bit of trying to rein him in a bit because he just couldn't wait to tell us everything. <laughs> such a great guest. And like you said, Don, TK being on Shock Mastermind uh, was quite a coup. And then having Chuck on, you know, like you said, they are, kind of mates of ours you know well especially yourself you know but you know we see them and we have a chat and they know us by name and stuff so you know yeah it's like going from you know just like like you say hearing my mates talk about the stuff that i was thinking about to then learning all of this stuff eddie dennis as well that was great you know that that was another great one so yeah yeah you dropped a couple of highlights for me uh mike and i mentioned self-indulgent tongue-in-cheek before it is a little bit self-indulgent because those two were two that I did on my own, um, yeah. Damo and Eddie Dennis and that. But it wasn't just like, this isn't my job. Like, we're just mates and it's just a hobby and whatever. Like, I, I don't know how many listens we have every week. We won't say it here. Like, if you think it's 100,000, we'll go on believing that. It's not that, right? Um, we have a few people that are very loyal and enjoy the shit. But for me, just for those couple of hours to get to – interview a guy that wrestled on wrestlemania like you know six-year-old me inside was just being like that's that's my dream it, it was never my dream in life to be a wrestler it was always my dream to be a commentator or a ring announcer well i just wanted i wanted to set up the ring i just wanted to be involved in the industry and for those couple of hours even though it was just a hobby i got to talk to a current wwe booker who i saw in a, in a suit at smackdown the other day and shook his hand and in any dennis and i said congratulations and he said thanks dom like um, when are you going to have me back on the pod, you know? And then, and like, Damo, who was on, he was on fucking WrestleMania. And I got to ask him what the shower culture was like in the locker room and whether Seamus ever tried to piss on his leg. But <laughs> just, I, I, honestly, uh, it just, for me, and I, I, sometimes I do this monologue thing where I get a bit emotional, but it really was like a, a dream come true, those two episodes. It really was. And I just... Um, I hope there's plenty more. It, it wasn't just those ones, Ross. Like we we went on, we had um, Roy Johnson chatted a lot to us about the Everything Pattern shows, which he's kind of behind, isn't he? And that was really interesting when we got to speak to him. 
Yeah, that was a super great interview. Really interesting where a lot of people come on and they toe the line between them being their real selves and being their characters. And Roy Johnson came on as himself, almost as a promoter rather than a wrestler, talking about change in the industry and inclusivity, representation and things that are really important. And he's really passionate about it. And it was a pleasure to be able to host a podcast with him for him to say those things on a public domain. And I think that the Evan Patton show was a brilliant night. I think you were there, Dom? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, it was a fantastic evening. It was a celebration. And it shouldn't be like a one-off celebration of these things, similar to the Evolution show that happened because of Saudi Arabia. And it hasn't been like an annual thing or even more than that. Like these things should just be in wrestling. Wrestling is for everyone. And if you're interested in why that might not be the case, then that podcast is something to listen to. Definitely really, really interesting. Yeah. One that I didn't know much about was when you guys got all excited one week and the message was going through in the group chat. It was like, mate, I can't believe it. We've got Weeder. We've got Weeder. <laughs> and uh, being a boy from Australia who, you know, I'm more of an idolizer of Daniel Vito who played on the wing for the Brisbane Broncos. I had no idea who this Weeder was. Tell us about that episode and how that came about, Ross. Yeah, so this was a massive get for me personally. He is someone who, if you're a football fan in England and you hear the word David Weeter and you're of a certain age, you immediately see his face. He's a throwback footballer. He's Northern, he's old school, he's working class, he's big strapping centre-half that made it into the Premier League, made it into the England squad. And he's a bit of a cult hero in football culture. And it just so happens that he's a massive wrestling fan to the point where he admitted on the podcast that he still plays with wrestling figures. And to the point where he doesn't have a wrestling ring, he just uses his legs as the four ropes. <laughs> and he's open about this. He's not embarrassed about it. And I love that. Like someone who doesn't have to admit these things and he's way more rich and way more cool than we are. He's a Premier League footballer. And he's on our podcast telling us the nerdiest stuff to the biggest nerds. I absolutely loved it. And we called that episode Weetomania. We previewed WrestleMania. Yeah, just an absolute banging episode. So much fun. Wrestling should be fun. Sometimes strides the line of wrestling should be informative. Wrestling should be engaging. Whereas wrestling should be fun was turned up to 10 in that episode. Yeah, just loads and loads of fun. And Brum in particular loved it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Along the same lines, people that are cooler than us, Warren Banks came on for a Super Strong Style 16 preview, wasn't it? And he ended up going all the way to the final, didn't he? And he, yeah. um, he was telling us beforehand about how he had a sore shoulder, didn't really know what he was going to do. He didn't think he could use the spear. And then it was even more so when he hit that spear in the first match. It, I don't know how many of the progress attendants that day listened to the Wrestling Should Be Fun preview. I think we get a little bit of a bounce when we do those progress preview shows with the progress start before a show. But um, it felt like everyone there had listened to the pod that day because everyone was like, fuck, he did. He said he couldn't do the spear on that podcast. <laughs> it, it kind of felt, and it didn't really. It's just, again, my ego. But it felt like that went around the room when he hit the spear for the one, two, three in the opening round. And it was just like, that was a special one because – Instead of being completely removed, it felt like we were there contributing to the story. Yeah, that was an episode where I truly found myself being so engaged with a wrestler through this podcast, which is the first time that's ever happened because 
I hadn't really seen much of Warren Banks, to be honest, because I wasn't watching the pandemic era stuff religiously. In the group, it was only really Brum that was watching on a weekly basis because they were churning out four-hour shows on the weekly, really, and it was just a bit too much in that empty arena for me personally. But Brum stuck with it, and he was someone who was big into Warren Banks, and I hadn't seen too much of him because it had been behind closed doors. But that two hours that we spent with him, I was so up for him winning that tournament. And when he tapped out to Ridgeway, I was absolutely gutted. And I was in the right and Oscar was in the wrong for cheering it. (laughs) Speaking of being involved with the stories, then we have the guy that pays for the stories, Lee McAteer, progress wrestling owner. What is this? That's madness, right? Britain's best boss. Uh, And like... (laughs) Somehow, Mike, you mentioned like, well, you know, pseudo friends now feels like somehow have a relationship with everyone in Progress Wrestling by having Lee join us on the show, being so kind to come on and share his history. Yeah, you know, like you said, there are certain people that work behind the scenes that we get to have a chat with before and after shows, during shows. And Ross and I bumped into them all in Cardiff after uh, Clash at the Castle. We were just sort of stood there chatting to Ross's brother and then James the Wizard. Sorry, mate suddenly just appeared out of nowhere and then there was about 10 of them and they all couldn't wait to chat to us about the show and stuff and I'm sure that doesn't happen without the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. I definitely wouldn't have been on the GCW bus from Liverpool back to London. (laughs) (laughs) You know, having a sausage McMuffin with Matt Cardona and listening to Joey Janela's Tony Khan impression and (laughs) talking to Nick Wayne's mother. Um, (laughs) Yeah, mental in that case as well. Amazing, Lee was so generous with his time. Another one-on-one that I got to do was Maverick Mayhew. Again, I've sort of unloaded my emotions before with Eddie Dennis and Big Damo, same thing. We saw Maverick Mayhew for the first time in the Dome, king of the Dome, him and Millsy. Now Millsy is kicking all the goals in RevPro, British Cruiserweight champion, and Maverick Mayhew is getting merch printed with the CPF. Great to see those guys, you know, progressing their careers over the last couple of years. Who else we got on this list? Ross, you did a one-on-one. You're going to have to introduce this one. We had our first real solid musician on the show. Yeah, someone that I only knew was a wrestling fan through his music promos wearing an ECW shirt. Get Cape, Wear Cape, Fly, otherwise known as Sam Duckworth, recently just played the main stage at 2000 Trees. Big up, Get Cape. Yeah, someone who promised that he would be on the podcast and things fell through, but he was true to his word and he came back to us six months later saying... I've got a bit of free time to do a podcast if you're up for it. And we certainly were. And it was fantastic to get a guest on who's as passionate about this stuff as we are. And they're a famous person in their field, but they're just a fan and they treat it as we do as someone who wants to come on and just talk about their passion. And it was a beautiful hour chat with someone that just felt like he became a mate. And afterwards, he even texted me to say, thanks so much for having me on. I had a blast. And If I'm ever in London and I'm by myself and I know that a show's on, I'll give you a text and we can hang. So like a lovely moment where, again, where you kick yourself a little bit and you just think, yeah, this is pretty cool that you can have these conversations and talk to people about your passion and it's their passion. And they just so happen to be on the main stage at 2000 Trees. (laughs) You mentioned there about like, you know, creating those friendships and like, you know, oftentimes the start of the podcast is the call-up sheet. Now, the idea of that was really like, again, pulling that hood up if we give people shout outs on the episode, maybe they'll want to listen. That was my brainchild and uh, the idea of creating a gimmick. And then one came through from Irish Wrestling Entertainment, the Irish Wrestling Podcast. And 
all of a sudden we give them a shout out. I put over their podcast and then they're putting over our podcast. And then all of a sudden we got Jerry on the show. who just seems like an absolute stand up geezer. So just like Ross said, you know, when Kate comes down to London for a show, we'll get him involved. Jerry, hopefully we'll get you over, mate. Maybe have you booked your all in tickets yet, Jerry? I hope you're coming over, mate. We'd love to see you and hopefully have a pint of the black stuff. I think, Ross, we're getting close to the end of the list. Was there maybe one more wrestler? So we've got two more. One that I did by myself again was a bit of a dream for me as the NXT UK guy. We had Rohan Raja, who was in the faction with Chatty Charlie and Lucky Kid. (laughs) And that was super interesting because obviously it was coming off the heels of NXT UK folding. So it was kind of interesting hearing the insights of someone almost going through a bit of a job change, I guess. Quite an interesting chat with him where he was contemplating whether to stay in pro wrestling or to try other fields that he was interested in because he had acting background. So yeah, that was super, super interesting and a time that I could thank him for his time in NXT UK because bless those guys on that roster. They didn't get too much love online even and then they had their fans taken from them physically. So it was a great time for me to, as someone who did appreciate that brand to thank him personally. Yep. And then I buried the lead on it, but one of the most recent wrestlers that we've had on was Bullet, the henchman of some of them might come up in a moment in progress wrestling. And when I listened back to Bullet, I just, uh, I, I just loved like, in a way it was funny because like wrestling should be fun. And I think sometimes guests feel like they've got to come on and be zany or silly or crack jokes, but it's not wrestling should be funny. It's wrestling should be fun. And um, Bullet, I think in his own like stern down to earth way where he just, even on the podcast, was put up with absolutely no shit. And it was like, <laughs> I, I just listened to that one and I was just like, this is so much fun. Like I just, I was sort of waiting for him just to be like, oh, you fucking nerds, fuck off. <laughs> it, was, it was great. And obviously he's a lovely guy. And uh, since then, you know, we've come across him on the points and he's just an absolutely lovely lovely guy but um geez you still wouldn't want to cross him i tell you what i wanted to put across for that one was um that was the first time that con man did one one-to-one and it was i think that when he's the guest host that he does a fantastic job and sometimes he uh, <laughs> as dom gives me <laughs> the middle finger yeah. um, i think that he does a fantastic job and is someone that undersells himself a little with what he can bring to the podcast and he was a little apprehensive about doing that show but honestly I thought he did a fantastic job in as you say in sometimes quite treacherous waters because Bullet wasn't (laughs) wasn't taking any shit and that was my fault because some of my research was poor but (laughs) I was was just about to say I think yeah Command's a great host but I think in that episode especially he was a great foil for bullet i thought they bobs you know they were at each other a little bit i think it was very entertaining well dear listener like if this were a ricky gervais Stephen merchant tv show we'd probably like to this was the last episode and we were leaving you wanting more but we're not doing that we're going to be back next week with episode 100 and um we've spoken about the guests and i'm as excited for next week's guest as any we've foreshadowed it a little bit throughout the episode we've only gone and got the progress wrestling champion for episode 100 it's spike trevay the sovereign lord the vulture mm. of british wrestling and, but you can definitely boo along uh that's what we want um so we are absolutely buzzing i don't think spike trevay has done a lot of podcasts so it's a huge get for us uh, and we just cannot wait to chat to the sovereign lord next week Last couple of memories from me before we get that are probably around the segment that we sometimes do to end the show. Book of Bingo. Ross, do you think we've got time to do a quick one? 
I'm going to call an audible, and I think that we end it here. Wrestling should be... Just for um, Phil's sanity. Sorry, Phil. Wankers. Fucking embarrassing. Waste of our time. Fucking waste of our time. So, yeah, I'm sorry, Phil. Instead of doing a book of bingo, two quick memories from book of bingo that didn't get mentioned. Two of my favourite book of bingos from throughout the series. One of them, obviously, JCH, when he was booking Blue Pants versus Fabian Eichner. And the feud was around the fact that Fabian Eichner thought that because he was Italian, he should wear blue pants. <laughs> uh, that was that was one of my favourites. I also just like the the running gag that JCH just never won one. Um, which <laughs> uh, but my favourite one hundred percent had to be Conman, and he was very good at Booker Bingo, even though he, and he's also very good at hosting. By the way, you said that so well, Ross. As are you, as are JCH, as is Brummett when he has done it. But um, when Conman, he obviously heard Dean Malenko, but in his head, he heard Simon Dean. So he accidentally booked a whole feud around the idea that Dean Malenko and Simon Dean were the same person. And it was just <laughs> brilliant. And it's just like, nah, mate, they spell and pronounce their names differently. Not- <laughs> they, are, they are nothing alike. Um, so that was uh, another one of my favourite book of bingo. So... Mike, what this means, mate, if we can't do a book of bingo on your debut, we're going to have to have you back again. Will you come back again sometime, mate? I certainly will. I have had a whale of a time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. No worries, mate. Don't wait another 99 episodes for us to come back, please. <laughs> uh, uh, so, as always, dear listeners, that's about all the time you have here on the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. Uh, I want to thank just once more our very special guest, 90s Mike Knight, as well as Ross the Boss, Casey. You know, the good things is hold the try, Colin. Rate, review, subscribe. Get us on the social media. It's WSBFUN on Twitter. It's Wrestling Should Be Final One Word on Instagram, TikTok, and now Threads. And most importantly, dear listener, we will see you next week for Spike Trevay, episode 100. Until then, though, drink lots of water. Look after you, mates. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun, wrestling should be fun.